This is a Getting Bullied special presentation in partnership with PhilliasFlyer.com. All right, my guest today made headlines last week with a piece he wrote in the Players' Tribune titled, Everything's Not Okay. He's former NHL player Nick Boynton. Nick, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So, um, you played 11 seasons in the NHL and have been retired now for about seven. What made you choose now to finally break your silence and tell your story to the world? Um, you know, I think it just got to a point uh, where things were really, really difficult. And I was struggling and I was definitely, you know, not doing well. Um, and Dan Carson, who's been fighting for for guys, you know, different treatments and for concussion education and, and stuff like that. He's a good friend of mine. And I went to Orlando um, and got some different treatment outside of what, you know, the NHL or my union has, uh, has been offering. And it helped me. And I really couldn't believe that this was out there and that, you know, guys didn't have the opportunity to go, that teams weren't sending them there. So I just thought, you know what, it's, uh, keeping this inside isn't doing me any favors. It's killing me. It's beating me up. So I wanted to get it down on paper and, and sort of have a record of what was going on uh, with me sort of during and post-career. Mm-hmm. Um, you admitted in the piece that you became addicted to prescription painkillers during your career, basically to get through your day-to-day life. Was there a particular situation that made you realize you had a problem, and how did that realization, uh, how did you deal with that realization once you realized it? It, it was difficult, you know. Uh, it was a lot of things going on. I'd had a couple difficult years, and I was, and I was struggling and and I'd asked for help on one of my former teams and everything seemed good like I was going to get that help and I ended up sort of being moved on to another team and and from there that just sort of set me over the the edge and it it got out of control I I thought after that that I needed to keep it to myself and deal with it on my own and I definitely couldn't deal with the drug problem I was having on my own it just got out of control and uh, and really ended up costing me a lot. Was it something that ever anybody ever realized while you were playing? Did anyone ever approach you about it? And, you know, notice that you, you know, were acting different, or that you might have, you know, had a problem. I, you know, made some mistakes and stuff like that, and but I, nobody ever told me I needed to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys get away with with a lot of stuff when you're playing uh, and things happen and and really at, at, at the time I really had no idea how bad it was either so I just sort of you know went along using it and but demons you know for the rest of my career basically mm-hmm. so your final season in the league you played for the Philadelphia Flyers and in the piece you credited former Flyers general manager Paul Holmgren with basically saving your life uh, kind of describe the situation that happened and how Paul went along in saving you. Well, I, I just I described it in my story. I was with the Flyers. I screwed up, um, you know, doing a lot of drugs. And then I called the trainer and, and you know, Homer, uh, they sent me home. I met with him the next day and he gave me, you know, a 
choice. He said I could tell him this is a one-time thing and it would never happen again, or I could tell him I had a problem and and he'd get me help. And, you know, I told him I had a problem. He was an honest guy. He'd been honest with me to that point. Um, You know, there's no... Around NHL circles, you know, Philly's known as a team that takes care of their people. That's not a lie. So I, I felt like I could, you know, be honest with them. And I feel bad because I let this story out, and I didn't really want to put any undue pressure on him or, or put his name in it. But you know, there's a lot of a lot of bad people in the NHL. There's a lot of good people too. So I want to give credit where credit's due. He helped me a lot. So obviously, you know, the problem with concussions is huge in all of sports, but especially contact sports like the NHL. Um, in an interview with WFAN up in New York, Commissioner Gary Bettman was asked by Chris Carlin, the host, if the league was doing all they could about concussions in the NHL. Bettman's response was, we are doing all we think is appropriate. What are your thoughts when you hear that statement? And do we... <laughs> So obviously you have. Those are my uh, thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I've got an opinion on that statement. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think when you hear that from him? Well, for me, it's infuriating because uh, um, he's talking about my life uh, and he's talking about guys that have passed and he's talking about you know it, it just it, Gary were a commodity to him and to Jeremy Jacobs and to the owners, certain owners in the league, I won't say everybody, but it's embarrassing that uh, a man, you know, commissioner of a billion dollar organization, that's how he answers that question. That's pretty, pretty rich, but pretty sad as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So in the piece, you stated that if more big time superstars with the league uh, started speaking up, it would move the needle towards changing things. Obviously, the biggest star in the league, Sidney Crosby, has problems with his concussions. We saw uh, the Canadians goalie, Carey Price, take a puck to the mask this season, wasn't taken out of the game, yeah. ended up being diagnosed with a concussion and missing significant time. Have you had a chance yeah. to speak with any of these current players, these big-time names, and you know get a feel for their level of concern with concussions in the league? Um, I haven't. Uh, there's sort of, you know, those are guys that I just don't know. I, I really didn't play with. I, uh, played against, but, you know, really have no connection. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys that are in the league that I have played with, and, you know, some older guys have reached out and it's just, I, I can't. You know, you can't force anybody to tell their story. I mm-hmm. I wasn't strong enough to do it when I was at my pinnacle or at my peak. I it took me another seven years after I retired to talk about it. So that's not my place. I I think it could help, but um, you know, I think the NHL and the union are in a very tough spot, and I think if we keep making noise, we can you know make a change. When did you first hear about CTE, and was it a relief to know that there might be an answer for how you were feeling? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's just scary. I, I mean, you'd heard about it. I'd heard about it, you know, when in the middle of my career, but it's just, I don't know. It's another thing you uh, you just sort of don't pay any attention to, and you trust your trainers, and you trust your doctors. And I, I think it's so new that, you know, they can't be all to blame either. They didn't know. 
but I think now there's so much information, there's so much science out there, we can't deny it. So we have to make changes. The NHL has to take this on if they want to survive. Mm-hmm. They have to take this on and take it on positively, along with the union. Right. So the the National Football League already admitted that there is a link between CTE and concussions. Uh, they had to pay a settlement out to their former players in a lawsuit. The NHL is in a current currently in a similar situation. So what are what do you most want to see? Uh, what most important changes do you want to see come as a result of the lawsuit? Well, I, you know, the money. There's obviously the money is not there. Uh, for these, the former NHLers that are in this suit that obviously is there for the league. I, I, from a lawsuit like this, the league has to admit and change their ways. We need to treat these injuries, not just go along thinking they don't happen or they don't affect us. Give guys more time to, to heal from these injuries. Find out better treatments. I've been to a better a better treatment center afterwards that Dan Carcillo sent me to. My union and the league would never have sent me to this. They keep sending me to drug rehab programs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not doing drugs. I, I'm, <laughs> you know, it's been it's been years. I and there's something else going wrong with my head. I, you know, they need to start helping guys get into the treatment that they need for the brain injury. So, I mean, obviously, Dan Carcillo seems to be a big part of your life. Kind of tell everybody about that relationship, how it got started, and. You know, just kind of how he's helped you through this journey to get to this point. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We were teammates out here in uh, in Arizona. That's where I played with him the first time. And you know, I've been struggling the last. We've always been friends. He grew up in the town next over from me, and he's younger than me. And I got a little brother around his age, and I just he played the the game the way I did, and. I was having problems back then when he came into the league, and I feel guilty for not speaking out at that time because maybe Dan wouldn't have to go through the problems he is now if I had enough courage at the time. But Dan's a fighter, and he's kept this thing in the media and kept battling, and I just finally got to the point where, you know what, I went and got the treatment he was talking about. It helped me, so I'm I'm all in. I want to help him, and you know, help him find ways. The league will pay for my drug rehab, but they won't pay for the treatment for my brain injury. Some mm-hmm. guys can't afford these treatments. We need the the league to help out and the union to admit that these are, are damaging injuries and they need to be treated. Uh, well, the you mentioned in the article that what he the place he got you signed up with was the Plasticity Brain Center down in Orlando. So how do their yes. treatments differ from previous treatments you you've received what are they doing that's so cutting edge that's helping you as much as it is well it's just first of all they tracked my eye movement and why i was getting headaches my right eye was uh, tracking movements you know three times slower than my left eye so i hadn't been able to read since i retired I, i've just been getting headaches on the right side of my head and it was fixed with exercises, you know, eye movement exercises. I don't get the headaches. I don't get, you know, the pressure in my head. It used to be like a vice on the right side of my head coming down. That's gone. And I'm able to read without getting headaches. And that alone, you know, in the five days I was there, I bring these exercises home. I haven't had a problem. 
it's just life changing. It, it's it gives me hope, you know. And if if it can give me hope just that little bit, um, and, you know, a different way of looking at your injuries too and answers, then I know it can help a lot of guys. And uh, the treatment is so simple, but it's just you know the league doesn't offer it and the union doesn't offer it. So I guess the biggest question, the most important question, is now that you've come out with this story and you're receiving these treatments from uh from from these you know cutting edge organizations how how are you day to day is it and is it is it much better than it was before or i mean do you see honestly i see a difference it's much better good it's it's much better the I can't recommend it enough. The problem is I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, we need, we need doctors to like tell guys about this too, and the union and like tell them about these treatments. They help. They can help players right now. I, I mean, this is stuff I would have been dealing with in my career. These treatments can help players that are in the league right now, and just to deny guys that is just so wrong. So we, we just we got to keep. You know, pushing because it's it's not a one-off. It's not a couple guys. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys suffering. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, I can't uh, wish you the best enough. It was a great piece. Uh, everyone, check it out in the Players Tribune. It's called "Everything's Not Okay." It's gut wrenching. It's really going to open your eyes to a big, big problem in a sport that we all love and a sport that Nick dedicated his life to. So, Nick, thanks a lot, and uh, I'll make sure uh, that everyone that I know will at least read the story. I, I love it. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Nick Boynton cannot thank him enough for coming on, giving me a couple minutes to tell his side of the story. It's one thing to hear it or to read it in the Players' Tribune, and it's another entirely to hear his voice, to hear the stories from his mouth, and to hear him just kind of look back on a career that ultimately I feel like he feels left down by. He spent his entire life trying to get to be an NHL player, and he feels tremendously let down by the league that he dedicated his life to and he dedicated his career to. And it's not just Nick Boynton. There are other players that probably have not stepped forward yet, and hopefully by him stepping forward, it will... Uh, motivate others to do the same. You heard the names. You've read the names in the article. You've heard them before. Steve Montador, Wade Belak, Derek Bugard, Rick Ripian. These are all guys who have passed away because they had mental health issues caused by brain injuries suffered playing in the National Hockey League and hockey in general. And the National Hockey League and Gary Bettman are trying their damnedest to ignore this problem, but it will not ever go away until they do something about it. There may not ever be a foolproof plan to prevent these type of things from happening, but the NHL needs to take drastic steps toward that goal. They need to do as much as they possibly can to protect the players that are in the league now, because for years and years and years and decades, they let down players that were in their league. And now they're still letting them down post-career. You heard Nick say it. How many times has he turned to the players' union? These are the people that are supposed to protect the players, that are supposed to be out in the best interest of the player. And every time he called and said, I'm having these problems, the doctors of the union said, you're just a drug addict. And he hadn't done drugs in years. 
They're sending him to 12-step programs because he has mental health problems because he took too many blows to the head. The NHL is in big, big trouble. You saw the NFL. You saw their payout. $1 billion to former players that in the lawsuit that they did not protect against head injuries. $1 billion. And the NFL, as hard-headed as they are, at least admitted that there is a link between CTE and concussions, even after the biggest sports league in the world does it, and loses their battle against their former players, the NHL is still dragging their feet and still refuses to admit that there is a link. And ultimately, if the NHL doesn't get ahead of this thing at some point, if the NHL just keeps trying to sweep it under the rug and just ignore the huge, enormous elephant in the room... It's going to cripple this league for years and could be its downfall if they have to keep paying out settlements. These are just guys that have played the last, however, 30, let's say 30 years that are that are going to eventually get paid out. The NHL's not going to win this lawsuit. They're going to eventually get paid out, and it's going to hurt the league. You think the, the, the NHL has the billion dollars that the NFL does to just shell out for a lawsuit? They do not. It will be far more detrimental to the NHL than it was to the NFL to pay out a settlement that big. And those that's just those guys. That's just the guys in the last, say, 30 years, however long. And not to mention all the players that have passed away whose families are also suing the NHL. So years from now, let's say 10 years from now, the NHL still hasn't gotten ahead of this thing, and now they're getting sued again by another group of players. These players that we have now watched, that we've grown up to watch, the players within the last, you know, within the next, within in that time frame that are going to have their own problems because the league is not ahead of this thing. The league, widely, if you look at it, it sounds like they don't care. Gary Bettman won't talk about it. The owners won't talk about it. And the former players are getting fed up. And obviously, there's not going to be there's not going to be a current player that's going to speak out against this because why would they? And if they do, because it, realistically, it's going to hurt the league that they play for, and that's the biggest problem in all this. Nobody wants to speak up because they're also afraid of what it's going to do to the league and how it's going to affect their pockets. Money is what's going to bring down the NHL because they don't want to admit that there is a problem in their league. And kudos to Nick Boynton, kudos to Dan Carcillo, and all these guys that have the courage, that have the balls to come out and say, there is a problem in this league. This is what's happening to me. I am sick because of what I did during my career and the league that I dedicated my everything to, that I sacrificed family time. I missed games of hockey for my children, holidays. All the big important events in a kid's life I missed because I was playing in the NHL. And they are letting me down year after year, day after day. So shame on the NHL. And the problem is this. We're just going to keep watching. And they know that. So at this point, the only way the NHL is going to change their ways is if they get hit in the pocket. And sooner or later, they're going to. Bottom line. So I want to offer just some thanks to uh, two of uh, two prominent members of the Philly is Flyer crew. Uh, obviously, my podcast partner, uh, Dan Silver, who's with me every week, 
for the information that he gave me on the lawsuit and everything. I could not have conducted this interview without him. Also, Allie Foster of Philly is Flyer, who has more knowledge of concussions than um, anybody I've ever met. She was huge in the information that she gave me so I can better understand concussions and kind of you know, just the overall testing and how all that works. So I can't thank those two enough. Uh, stay tuned later this week for another episode of Getting Bullied. And as always, you can follow the show at underscore Getting Bullied. You can follow me at Mark Flagman 2 ends. Follow the mothership uh, at Phileas Flyer. Check him out, PhileasFlyer.com. Um, and, of course, subscribe. Like, comment on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts to the podcast. And, you know, if you don't have Apple, we are on SoundCloud as well, so you can follow us on there. So until the next episode of Getting Bullied, have a good week, have a good life, and I hope you've learned something and your eyes have been opened here today.